If you have your Bibles and you'd like to turn with me to Matthew chapter 28 and verse 6. And if you saw our invitation, I wrote down uh, where is Jesus and then crossed out the is and moved it over and changed it to where Jesus is. From an interrogative to a statement. So we would like to preach on that this morning. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 6. The words of the angel of the Lord. He is not here. For he is risen as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. And with the help of the Lord, I'd like to preach on the thought of a message where Jesus is, or simply answers, answers. Brother Velez, since you're standing, why is he standing over there? He's a, he's a, not a husher, but like a usher, call him Deaconcito, so, amen. Would you ask the Lord's blessing, brother? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this message you're about to provide for us. Lord, we ask you to open hearts and minds to receive the word today, and Lord, thank you for all you do. Amen. Amen. You know, as a parent, your kids ask you lots of questions. And some of them are easy. Some of them aren't so easy. And maybe you begin to grow up and then you begin to get some questions. And people have been asking me uh, uh, maybe in the past months about the Ukraine and what's going on in the Ukraine. Because there's always something that prompts us. Like, what's going on? What's happening here? And... I'm thankful that this morning, the Bible is a book of answers. Did you ever remember in school where you had a textbook? The teacher had the same textbook, but it was a little different. Did you ever look at the teacher's book? It had all those answers in it? Man, that was one of those, right? (laughs) But you know what? That's exactly what the Bible is. Everyone in here, if you have the word of God, you've got the teacher's book. It's got the answer for how the world began. It's got an answer for how men and women, yes, two different genders, okay? Say, so, well, preacher, what, that's not what they're saying today. I don't really care what, you know what, like Brother uh, Rick and I were talking about the Ukraine. He said, that was Brother Bigelow's opinion. And right, we all have opinions, don't we? When you're married, you got yours. Your wife got theirs, and all your kids got theirs, and even the dog has theirs. Dogs have opinions. Because I bought some treats for a dog, and I was handing them out. And some of the dogs would put it in their mouth, spit it back out. That happened. What? Their opinion was that the Alpo treats were not for them. Right? Dogs, everyone's got an opinion. But you see, the Bible tells us also where sin came from. The Bible tells us, perhaps most importantly, the most important thing that the Bible tells us beyond all the facts that are in there. And if you want to know about all the other stuff, just read Genesis. It's right in there. This Easter morning, the Bible tells us what God did to fix our biggest problem. Someone asked a man, what's the problem with the world? Like they did this in the newspaper and this man wrote back. He said, I am. You know what? That's the biggest problem in the world. It's not somebody else. It's not the other political party. The biggest problem in the world I have 
is me and specifically sin. So that the Bible shows us that the greatest answer in the word of God, the answer that God gives us is in the resurrection of Christ Jesus from the dead. Because it shows what the cross did. It shows that the blood worked. And it shows that God's operation was successful. God has an answer. And my daughter was asking me about the Bible, the whole Bible and different things. And I said, honey, the Bible used to be really short. You know, that what if the Bible was really short and you could, didn't even have to have a piece of paper? You could just understand the whole thing. You know, in the Garden of Eden, it was just like two sentences. Wow, that was easy, right? God commanded man in Genesis chapter 2. Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil... Thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. My do- that was the whole Bible right there. Do this, don't do this. Man, pretty easy, right? But you know that it's an amazing thing. My daughter, she, was, she, was, she said, but they ate of that tree, right? They ate of that mango. I don't know if it was an apple, a mango, a papaya. Probably not an apple, but who knows? And he didn't die, Daddy. He was still alive, right? But God said you would die right when you ate of it. But you see, man is made up of more than just a body. Believe it or not, you know, I say that, but, you know, and I say this, uh, you know, that, you know, we, we say we have, we have pets. And if you were born as a pet in America, you're blessed, right? You go down, there's like a whole aisle of dog food. In fact, I bought some... Uh, like uh, sirloin milk bones and I smelled it and it's like, this smells like human food. I mean, it smelled like beef jerky. And uh, we care for our pets. I think my brother-in-law, he had, what would he have, an iguana? Your, your brother, Jeff? And he had, didn't the iguana have like a broken arm? And he got it set, only in America, right? <laughs> Surgery for pets. And I think my parents, their dog had like cancer or something. And what happened? Well, put him out in the field and, you know, surgery. Went to the doctor. And you know why? Because we love our pets. And, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing, okay? It's a good thing. But, you know, sometimes we think, well, I take care of my children. I give them a place to stay. I give them food. I give them medical care. And what's wrong, preacher? I do everything I'm supposed to do. But you see, kids are not animals. Kids need more than a place to stay. Kids need more than food. They need more than water. They need more than medical care. We are created a spiritual being. And if you take care of the physical, that's one third. But we're made up of spirit, soul, and body. And when man ate of that fruit, his spirit was detached from God. And so his soul died. The Bible said, the soul that does what? Sinneth, it shall surely die. So mankind, his body was walking. You ever seen those zombie movies? How do those slow walking zombies ever catch people? I mean, they don't even walk in a straight line. They'd never pass the DUI test, right? They're like, why do people run? It's like, man, I could hop away from that zombie. But you know what? That's what man is without God. When their spirit is disconnected and they can cover things up and they can pretend to be excited. But you see, when we're disconnected from God's spirit, brethren, we're dead waiting to live our last, have our last breath and then go to a place where we don't want to go. And you know, hell was not created for man. You know, if any of us goes to hell, 
we'll be trespassing. Have you ever trespassed before? <laughs> Probably all have, right? <laughs> but uh, like this man got arrested and he's being taken away. And uh, he goes to the police station. They say, what are you here for? He said, I was just shopping. Shopping. I have money. Look. And he pulled out his wallet. And they're like, well, talk to the arresting officer. Why is this guy here? And they said, well, well, he was shopping in the store. Right. So why is he here? Well, it was before the store opened. <laughs> you know, a lot of times we have our excuses, right? It sounds real good. But when we talk to God, everything falls flat. But I'm thankful that God has an answer for everything that we need. The Bible says that at the end of the Sabbath, at the end of the seventh day, Jesus had been crucified three days prior. It began to dawn toward the first day of the week. That's a Sunday. The Bible said, Then came Mary and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. Jesus was placed not in a grave, but he was placed in a tomb and they had these big, it looked like a big loaf of round bread, right? But it was a stone. And they would roll this stone on a track, kind of like an automatic door, like shoom, shoom. You know what? But it wasn't automatic. You had to roll it, right? It was stones are heavy, right? Except that God can make doors open. Amen. God has automatic doors. You ever heard about Peter getting out of the prison? God had Walmart doors back then. God still does. So the Bible said that this, this, this stone was rolled and they would just put a body in there. They had like shelves and different things and they'd let the body decay after they had wrapped it up. And so these women were coming to anoint the body with spices and, and to, to give honor to the dead body. And uh, the Bible says there was a great earthquake and the angel of the Lord descended from heaven. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 2 and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. I like that. It's like, I, be, I believe he probably had his arms crossed like, come on, bring it. You know, maybe his sleeves rolled up and his countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And the Bible said in the fear of him, for the fear of him, the keepers, the Roman soldiers that had made that sepulcher, they guarded that sepulcher. It said they began to shake and became as dead men. They just fainted boom, on the ground. And the angel answered and said unto the women, fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. The first thing I like to talk about is, you know, that where Jesus is, first of all, We've got to find out where Jesus is not. You know, a lot of times have you heard that song, looking for love in all the wrong places. You know that sometimes we look for the right thing, but we look for it in the wrong place. We're looking for the right thing. We're looking for life. We're looking for peace. But we begin to look kind of in the wrong place for the right thing. And why do you say that? Because these women were looking for the risen Christ in a graveyard. They were looking for a savior where they would have a corpse. So the Bible says that, you know, first of all, there's a policeman that he's, uh, you know, he's doing his beat at night and he sees this kind of this drunk man around a street light. You know how the street light illuminates part of the ground at night and the drunk's just kind of moving around the street light looking on the ground and the policeman says, sir, what's going on? And the drunk man says, I lost my keys. And so the policeman says, well, I'll help you find them, sir. And uh, wasn't going to let him drive, but he's going to help him find his keys, right? So they're both looking around for the keys under the street light. And after a while, the policeman said, uh, are you sure that you lost them here? And the drunk said, no, 
He said, well, where'd you lose them? He said, I lost them in the park way over there. And the policeman said, why are you looking right here under the street light? And the drunk man said, well, this is where the light is. <laughs> you know what? We laugh. We laugh. But you know, a lot of people, they've been looking and not finding it. Why are you looking there? That's where the light is. I'm just looking where it's convenient. I'm looking where it's easy. I'm looking in a career. I'm looking in a man. I'm looking in a woman. I'm looking in a cool car. I'm looking in something else. Brethren, we're looking because that's where the light is. But I want to tell you about the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. You see that you can't find the living among the dead. You see, but first, that's impossible, preacher. You know what? It is. And you know what the angel said? Come look. Come see the place where the Lord lay. Because we were going to look under the street light anyway, right? Just, just go in there and look. Just see for yourself. And they went in and Jesus wasn't there. But you know that Jesus Christ, he did impossible things. That's impossible. You know, he had an impossible birth. His mother was a virgin. That means she had not known man. And yet Jesus Christ was born to a virgin named Mary. It said in the book of Isaiah chapter 7, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. It happened in Matthew chapter 1. That virgin named Mary conceived and bore a son named Jesus. Said, name him Jesus. You know why? Because he's going to save his people from their sins. I remember when I came to church on the first time to a gospel church. I never knew about being delivered from sin. I thought you just went to church and tried hard. <laughs> you know, went to church and, and gave a little money, ate some bread and grape juice or whatever. And, uh, you know, it never was that fulfilling to have just a little bit of bread and grape juice. I could have had like a whole piece and, and different things. But you know what? Uh, I didn't really get it. I didn't get Christianity. But someone began to preach to me about freedom from sin. What? Getting out of sin. What? But you see, that's impossible, preacher. I've tried it. You know what? I tried lots of things. But just because I tried and failed doesn't mean that it's not true. See, don't you hate it when you try something and it doesn't work, but then it works for someone else? You're like, you try to stop them because, no, 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 marriage doesn't work. Yes, it does. But someone else tried it and it didn't work. But someone else tried it and it did work. You say, well, preacher, I've gone to church and tried it. Well, quit trying church and try Jesus. You see, we need something that's impossible. It's impossible that he was born, but he lived an impossible life. The Bible says that we have not an high priest in Hebrews 4 and 15, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but is in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Jesus didn't sin once. Because you see, when he went to the cross, he was our sacrifice for sin. But if he was a sinner, he couldn't have been a sacrifice for sin. So why did he have to become a man? Because he had to become, you see, man sinned. So Jesus had to become a man to pay for man's sin. When I was a smart aleck, and I still am somewhat, my wife's nodding, okay? I'd been to the Philippines, and I had some Philippine, uh, Philippine, Filipino? Filipino currency. So we were in California, I was in church, and we were receiving a world missions offering for the Philippines. 
So I was like, oh, I'm going to bring some Filipino currency. And I'm going to put it in the offering. And I did. And they gave it back. <laughs> but it's going to the Philippines. Have you ever done that when you put change in the change machine and it kicks back your token and it kicks back your bent penny and it kicks back the piece of hair and it kicks back the button? You can't spend those. They were saying that, brother, you know, we can't deposit Filipino currency in our bank, okay? Say, so, oh, preacher, you laugh, but that's why Jesus had to become a man. That's why an angel couldn't die. That's why Jesus, not being born of a virgin, couldn't die. He had to be the same currency. When he died, he had to die as a man. He had to get victory over sin as a man. He had to be tempted like we are and say, no, I'm going to serve God anyway because there's men and women counting on me. You see, Jesus did an impossible thing. You see the pattern? God did impossible things, but that when he died, three days later, the Bible said something else impossible happened. You see, when someone dies, they stay dead. Now, I don't think any of us have gone to a funeral, then gone to, you know, see the gravestone and the person just standing there, sitting there talking, you know, on the tombstone. That just doesn't happen, right? But it did. You see, Jesus rose from the dead. That's why the angel said, he's not here, but you know what? He's risen. You know that I'm thankful that when, uh, when people talk to God, you know that uh, when people talk to God and you say, why God? You're, you don't usually look down on the ground, do you? We know that intuitively, right? God, why? And we're looking up in heaven, why? God's not dead. We know that, right? When we are praying, otherwise, why would we pray? We might not understand, but we're like, God, we lift our hands and we look up in heaven because we know that God is up and he's alive. You see, because God can do the impossible. The Bible said in Luke, for with God, nothing's impossible. So well, my, 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 uh, my, my marriage is falling apart. I remember hearing about this. This couple that they were about to get a divorce, and uh, they said, "Well, let's try God." You know, let's try God, and they did. And you know what? They didn't get a divorce. And you know what happened? They became preachers. And you know what happened to their two boys? They became preachers. Now the dad's a pastor, and both kids—they're grown up, and they're both pastors. That's impossible, but I could give you their name because I know them, and maybe some of you know them. It's real. You see, God does impossible things. You know that, uh, you ever heard of Daniel? Daniel could interpret dreams, right? You know what? That seems pretty hard, right? But anyone can fake it, right? Oh, this is what that means. You ever been to a palm reader? When I was a sinner, I went to a palm reader. You know what? They, they like look at this line. It's not God, okay? I was a sinner, but I was looking for answers, right? And they're like, this line means this, and this line in your hand, it means this. I went in Philly, right? And uh, you know what those lines in your hands mean? They mean that you open and close your hand. You've got a leather glove, okay? That's all that it means. That's what they mean. And you get more of them. When you get older, your love lines will get longer. Your very close veins will get there. I mean, by very close. But... So Daniel could interpret dreams, right? But anyone can fake, oh, this is what that means, and that's what that means. But what, what about when Nebuchadnezzar had a dream in Daniel chapter 2? But he said, the thing is gone from me. He said, I had a dream, but I forgot. And he said, tell me my dream. Ooh, that's impossible. How could you get into a man's head when he doesn't even know what's there? And so Nebuchadnezzar got mad at all the, the wise men and said, kill them all. 
He was frustrated. You ever been frustrated? Kill them all. Hopefully not like that, okay? But that's what he, he was frustrated. And he just said, kill all the wise men because I can't get what I want. And word came to Daniel. And you know what Daniel said? He said, let me pray. And he got Hananiah and Azariah and Mishael. Let's, let's, let's pray the mercies of God. And then the Bible says that, uh, that Daniel said, uh, he said, I've got an answer for you. That God showed me. God knows the thoughts of men. And that Daniel was given this dream that the king forgot. He said, oh, preacher, God can't do stuff like that. God can absolutely do stuff like that. God does impossible things. And if you're looking for something that seems impossible, God can do impossible things. You see, because where Jesus is shows that he's risen from the impossible. He's risen from the dead. And brethren, that's impossible. But Jesus did it. So that means nothing shall be impossible with God. You see, we got to find out where Jesus is. The angel said, you stop looking there and look to God. You know, we need to stop looking to ourselves and begin to look at what Jesus can do. Say, preacher, but I did this and I did that. Well, you know what? Jesus did this and Jesus did that and Jesus can forgive and Jesus can love and Jesus can change. I remember I read this thing about this, this couple and this uh, person said, uh, I was telling my God, praying for my spouse, and God blessed me and changed my spouse. And then they began to change and grow. And they flipped it and they said, God, bless my spouse and change me. You know, a lot of times we need to realize, God, let me change. God, I want to change. My thoughts change. My beliefs change. My trust in God change. Change me, God. Let me change. The Bible said that Easter puts an exclamation point on the cross. What does the cross mean? We can change because God's already paid for our sins. It's already been paid for. You say, preacher, what do you mean? What do I have to do? That's the thing. People are like, let me do something. No, that's the thing. You can't do anything. All you can do is accept free pardon from what Jesus already did. That's the answer. The Bible said, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That means your blood pressure can be down. On a Sunday, when things are going crazy, on a Monday, when traffic is crazy, on a Tuesday, when you have your dental appointment, on a Wednesday, when the dog left presents all over your house, on your carpet, God can give you peace in the middle of the storm. Amen. Why? Because of what he did on the cross. Because you know what? In the large scheme of things, it doesn't really matter. God's got it. God's going to take care of you. The Bible says, by whom also we have access by faith. You know what? That's where you have to just trust what God said. Into this grace wherein we stand. You know there's a confidence when you're standing, right? And rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Say, preacher, but hope that we see is not hope, right? If you hope that you have a hundred bucks in your wallet and you actually have a hundred bucks in your wallet, you can't hope for it, right? Because you've seen it, it's not hope anymore. What I'm saying is before you have your prayer answered, that God can give you hope that he can answer it. He can give you hope that it'll work out. He can give you trust that things are going to happen in all things work together for what? Good. 
to them that love God, who to them that are the called according to His purpose. And the Bible says that, uh, and hope maketh not ashamed. You know what? If I've got hope, it's just going to work out. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. You know what Jesus said in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 8? He said, I'm he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. If my wife comes to the piano, you know where Jesus is? He's alive. He's alive forevermore. He's alive right now. He's alive. He can hear our prayers. He's alive to deliver. And then the angel said something to these two women. The angel said, and go quickly, Matthew chapter 28 and verse 7. Tell his disciples. He had a message that he's risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There ye shall see him. Lo, I have told you. See, angels came to give a message. And the angel told these people where they could meet with Jesus. And the 11 disciples, Matthew chapter 28 and verse 16, went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed. And when they saw him, wow, just like the Bible said, do what Jesus said and things work out like Jesus said. You know, the righteousness in Mark, excuse me, in Romans chapter 10 and verse 6, which is of faith, speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven? Do I have to look for God there? Do I have to go up to heaven? That is to bring Christ down for, from above. Or, or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? What does the word of God say? The word is nigh or near you even in thy mouth and in thy heart that is the word of faith which we preach so preacher i need to find god do i have to go to galilee do i have to go to jerusalem do i have to get baptized in the jordan absolutely not the word is closer than that it's right here so the word can change my life it can change your heart it can forgive your sin and it all is wrapped up in this living jesus being lord of your life that if thou shalt confess, Romans chapter 10 and verse 9, with thy mouth, the Lord Jesus. See, he's alive. You know, he's alive in the birds. He's alive in the things of this. Everything that God created is good. The only thing that got messed up is mankind. <laughs> we're the only one that doesn't do naturally what we're supposed to do according to nature. But when we say, Jesus, be my Lord, redeem me. Set me free from sin. Set my mind free. Set my body free. But preacher, you don't know I'm addicted to drugs or I'm addicted to pornography or I'm addicted to... I, I just don't tell anybody, but I've got a real problem. Well, you know what? You need to find out where Jesus is. And you know what? Jesus needs to be in your heart. And if Jesus is in your heart, he's more powerful. Greater is he that is in me than drugs or alcohol or womanizing, or homosexuality, 
or perversion. Greater is He. God will give you a peace that passes all understanding. God will give you a joy unspeakable and full of glory. Well, how do I need Him? Say, Jesus, be the King of my life. Be the Lord of my life. Be the Lord of my family. Be the Lord when I'm on the job. God, be my Lord 24 hours a day then that's Easter, that's resurrection, then God is alive in me and God will make a difference through me. Because it said, for God so loved the world, and I'm about to close, but have you ever gone to a fun arcade, one of those arcades where you play games of chance, you know, like junior gambling, (laughs) and you get tickets, right? You put in money and you get worthless tickets, right? Preacher, they're not worthless. You can buy things. You can buy a game system. Yeah. Have you ever gone there and pooled all your tickets and you feed them into the machine? Ooh, 573. Let me go take it up to the to the cashier. And you look up. <laughs> How much is the game system? Like a hundred thousand points? You ever done that? You ever feel like that when you come to God? He's like, man, I've done all these things. I got 573 points. You know, but the thing is. If you played long enough, and there are people that probably go, you probably know your friends, they've, they've spent the money, they've gone, they've saved, and they got that guitar, they got that game system, because after a while, you can save up, right? You can save up, whatever, I never did. We got the little plastic things that you step on in the middle of the night, little ants or whatever, a couple Tootsie Rolls, and then you just give the other tickets away, because you can't even buy anything, right? You know that, uh, there's things that money can buy. You can buy a Bugatti Veyron, just save. You can buy a Ferrari, you can buy it. You know, money can buy medicine, someone said, but not health. Money can buy a house, but not a home. Money can never buy that, because that's what love is. Money can buy companionship, men or women or both, but not friends. Money can buy food, but you can't give an appetite to someone. You can't buy it. Money can buy a bed, but money cannot buy you sleep. Money can buy the good life, but you know what? Money can't buy eternal life. Let me ask you, you can check the price of a Bugatti Veyron, they're like two million, to get an older one, right? You can buy one, just save up for it, you can finance it. But let me ask you the price of something else. How much does peace cost this morning? In your house? How much does joy cost? How much? I mean, look it up on the internet. How much? How much is joy? Well, I know the Bible says in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 20, I've got good news. I found someone who can afford it. You see, I can't save up for joy because there's no price tag. I can't save up for peace with God because I can't buy it. There's no price tag. But the Bible says in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 20, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say whether they be things in heaven or things in earth, with heads bowed and eyes closed, you see Jesus bought peace through the blood of his cross. He sealed peace and joy in his presence, the Bible says, is fullness of joy. The Bible says, But my God shall supply all your need. All your need. According to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Wait a second. It's not the price. 
It's the Prince. It's the Prince of Peace. And he's available. And that's all you need. You can't buy him. You can't save up for him. You can't save your tickets. God doesn't want that. Our righteousness is just filthy rags, but God wants the blood of his own son applied to our heart, applied to our family, applied to our lives. And if we do that, these things that are without price, they're available for free. Because you see, it's not a rich uncle, but it's an all-knowing, all-loving God that has riches. He said, I am the Lord. He said, I change not. He said, the silver and gold is mine. I own everything. But I'll give you freely if you accept my life. With heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around. Is there someone this morning that says, God, I have been trying to save up tickets. But I, the price keeps moving. I can never save enough. If you say, oh, preacher, I just need, can I just have it for free? You can't buy it, but you can have him for free. That's what preachers preach. Is there anyone that would just like to slip their hand up and say, that is me, and just put it right back down. Nobody's looking around, okay? I'm not going to force anyone to come pray. This is just saying that in your heart, preacher, I need it for free. I need him for free in my life. You know, he's free, and he wants to be your life. And you can put that hand down. God sees that hand. Anybody else say, God, will you come into my life? And make me free. I need you in my life. Because you see, he's not here, but he's risen. Behold the place where the Lord lay. And if you want to go find him, we're going to find a place to pray in just a moment. I'm going to tell you, how much is peace, preacher? One prayer. How much is joy? One prayer. How much is deliverance from sin, preacher? One prayer. How much to reset my life in God? One prayer. And I'm just going to tell you, this is the prayer that you pray. I don't know where your standing is right now, but I know how to get to where you want to be. All you need to do is say this. Say, Jesus, (laughs) just be my Lord. And I confess you over my life. And I want you to be my Savior. And if you save me, God... And I know I've prayed before, but God, if you save me, I will serve you every day of my life. The peace is yours. The joy is yours. The love is yours. All the blessings of Jesus Christ are yours to share with someone else. Let's find a place to pray. These altars are open. You need something from the Lord. Come down and receive it from God. Come to a meeting place and say, Jesus, I'm coming to receive my peace. I'm coming to receive my joy. I'm coming to receive my family. I'm claiming my family in Jesus. I want the blood of Jesus over my sin. And the blood will flow. And the blood will begin to change you. Change your life. Change your family. You know, the only thing that can change your family tree is that crooked tree of the cross. And it will make you have a new family. Founded in heaven. Anchored in Jesus. And flowing with his goodness and his purpose and his love. Have your way, God. Lord, we preached. Lord, my prayer this morning, this morning, that God will make a difference. He's here. Will you call out to him? He's here. He's the one speaking to your heart. He's here. 
Amen, God. Have your way, Lord. Blessing and honor, God. is our prayer you may pray as long as you like but you know I think it's a special thing we just turned returned from a conference and it was awesome but you know that the devil you know what he likes to do right after you get a blessing he likes to just come on and try to take it away he's a punk right but you know what as we leave if we could all just stand and and I want to just ask you and implore you just thank God if you prayed for something thank God and claim it and, and just take it with you when you walk out. Don't let the devil lie to you. 
He doesn't waste any time. But let me tell you, we know we're not ignorant of his devices. God is true. Let God be true. And let every man, including him, be a liar. But God is a savior. And God is a forgiver. And God is a lover of men's souls. God loves you. Right now, just as you are. Let's stand. And just lift up your hands and thank God. If you've prayed for something, thank God for it. Thank God for my new family. Thank God for forgiveness. Thank God for changing me. Thank God for breaking that addiction. Thank God for filling the void in my life. Thank God for my peace. My peace now. It's mine. God, thank God for my joy. Thank God for laughter in my home. God, thank for peace and joy and love in my home. Thank God for hugging and not hitting. Thank God. We claim it, Jesus. Thank God for the gas in my car. God, thank God for the new job. Thank God for hope. And we claim him. We claim Jesus and all of his blessings. In Jesus' precious name. If you know the Lord loves you on the count of three, we're going to say amen. One, two, three. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed. God bless you is our prayer. If you haven't signed our guest book, we love you too. God bless you.